Hello and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. In this week's episode, we welcome Angel Hernandez to the show. Angel is the founder of Grief X, which organizes support groups for people dealing with grief from losing a loved one. You can find him at griefx.com where you can sign up for a support session. But before we get to it, for all things Pursuit of Infinity, visit our website, pursuitofinfinity.com. We have all of our episodes there and links for everywhere you can find us. So if you like what we do, head on over there and show us some support. We also really appreciate a follow or a sub as well as a five-star rating and maybe even some kind words of encouragement in the form of a review. These things really help us to expand our reach and credibility, which is so much appreciated. And if you're feeling exceptionally magnanimous, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity, where you can donate as little as $2 a month to support what we do. Check us out on YouTube. The channel is up and all of our episodes are there. So if you prefer some visuals and to put some faces to the names, subscribe and keep up with us. And we're also on Instagram at pursuit of infinity pod. So give us a follow and reach out. Again, all of these can be accessed at pursuitofinfinity.com. And without further delay, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this week's discussion. Hi, Angel. Welcome to the show. Hey, Josh. How's it going? I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me on as well. Of course. Um, so let's talk death. Um, what about death affected you personally and affected you personally in such a way that led you to work with people who are grieving as a result of a death in the family or uh, a death of someone close to them? Yeah. So, you know, throughout my life, um, I would say my first major encounter with death was the death of my grandfather. Right. Um, and that did affect me, but I think it was a lot easier for me to process his death because he was already up there in age when it happened. And also, you know, his health, um, what was it, wasn't doing, he wasn't doing too well, um, you know, before he passed away. So it was easier for me to accept that. However, later on, I had, you know, some more tragic encounters. I actually had uh, first uh, two cousins that died. One was murdered and another one died because of health complications. And those uh, affected me as well. But I was I was close to those cousins, but not not as much as then what, what happened later on is that I lost another cousin to suicide. And that death really hit me hard because that cousin in particular, I was very close to him. And he was like a brother figure to me. And that's kind of like, the first time that I really struggled with grief um, because prior to that, you know, it, it did affect me, but I was able to get through it. Um, but his loss, like really threw me in a spiral that, that, you know, I wasn't prepared for. And, you know, it took me about a year to actually like, you know, for my, to come to the self-realization that it was having a negative impact on my life, like how I was coping with it. And that kind of led me down the path of, of what I'm doing right now is helping others, you know, deal with these kinds of situations. So with each subsequent death in your life after your grandfather, was your view on death and how we handle it changed and altered? Yeah, I would say like, you know, it, it, it really made me think a lot about, you know, how there's no... Um, 
you know, that the, there's no there's no linear path to how life works in general, right? Because with my grandfather's death, I guess it was kind of like, you know, the more cookie cutter explanation that we have to death where, you know, you reach a certain point in your life and then you transition onto the next, right? Because of old age or illness, but with the first cousin that died, you know, he was murdered, right? And he was, he was pretty young uh, when he died. He was in his twenties. And then my other cousin, um, they were, they were in their late thirties and they were actually just, you know, about to start a family when, when this tragically happened. Right. And then we shift on to, uh, my, my other cousin, the, the one that was like a brother figure to me, you know, he died by suicide. Right. And that's something that I didn't really expect to, uh, to have to deal with. Right. Um, and then it just threw me in for a loop. Like I was, you know, questioning like, you know, wow, what's, you know, what, 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 do, I, what do I expect out of life? You know, what am I supposed to do now? Like, and all these questions, right? And then, like, why, right? Why, why did all these tragic things happen? Um, and then it led me down to, you know, just reanalyzing, like, you know, my my views on life, death, and and, you know, just everything, my worldview in general, right? Because um, I really didn't think about death as much prior to that. I just, you know, I, I knew something. It was something that was there, but it's kind of like, all right, it's it's not something I should worry about yet, right? But I guess these all these events kind of put me in a state of like paranoia to some extent, and that I was like more aware of it, and then not in a healthy way um, initially, right? I didn't have a good relationship with thinking about that at first. Um, it was very uh, nerve wracking, you know, to to think about it. So, what would you say was uh, unhealthy about the way that you were thinking about death at that time? Yeah, so with with the death of my cousin that that died by suicide, you know, I I was just you know really just disappointed in 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 life in general, right? Like I was like, well, what's what's the point of all this, right? Like that these kind of things happen, and there's no you know comfort in 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 the situation, right? And just um, you know questioning my own beliefs too, right? Because with with suicide like i had these um and i i I still battle with it too right like um because of my religious upbringing you know the the which is primarily based off christianity right to to die that way is um it's considered a sin right and there are you know these alleged consequences from, from from going about this right so it was that just put me in more despair, right? Like thinking about like, wow, like, you know, this this person could potentially be suffering more after, you know, if if there is some sort of afterlife and these consequences. And now I would say, um, you know, my religious beliefs have changed a bit. I, I would say now I don't subscribe to any particular religion, but I'm, I'm more open-minded, right, about what happens. And I'm still, you know, I haven't come up with a concrete theory of of, of what of, of what happens in particular but I, I think now I'm less obsessed with the outcome right I've I've learned to um, focus more on what I do have control over right and when it comes to death like even my own mortality right um, I, I truly don't know when I'm gonna die right um, but I can just control like how I live my life while I am living right because when 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 it's my turn, it's my turn, right? But I just don't know when that's gonna happen. And I think I became a little obsessed with with that potential when when I was going through this, and also like just questioning, you know, death and and the consequences behind it. And now I've learned to step back a little bit and just you know appreciate life more, and also appreciate death too in a way that is um it's not much 
it's it's less fearful of a of a thing to worry about and just accept it as a, a normal part of life, right? And not just death, but loss in general, right? Like we will encounter all types of losses in our life. Not just that, not just death, right? Like the change of relationships, the change of environments, change of maybe even careers in some cases, right? These are all our, our loss of identity as we transition into other, um, um, you know, milestones in our life, right? Sometimes our, you know, some for some people they transition to becoming a parent, right, or a caretaker, or all these things, right? And you know, when we transition into some of these things, we we do lose a bit of our former self, right? And uh, this is all okay because again, it's it's part of a part of life, right? And I think um, I've learned not to be as as uh, frightened by these changes and and to accept these losses and appreciate them as as just you know part of the human experience. Yeah, yeah, life is change, and I mean, in the springtime, you know, plants begin their fruition. Uh, the summertime they bloom. The fall they begin to um, deteriorate, and the winter they right. die. You know. This happens every year. This is the cycle of life. Um, but it seems that when it's applied to humanity and when it's applied to people that you care about, uh, there is a strong emotional aspect to it. Um, and which brings me to your uh, project, Grief X. Um, and it seems that you were inspired enough by the death around you to start a program where you can help other people to get through uh, the trauma that death brings them. So can you talk a little bit about uh, how you started GriefX and what exactly it is? Yeah, so when um, when I was going through the loss of, of my cousin, the, the the one that was like a brother figure to me, um, it was the first time that I sought out therapy, right? So about the one-year mark, I realized that, you know, I wasn't coping with it too well. Like, I was really depressed, and I was, you know, trying to, trying to hide that fact from other people and for myself as well, right? Like, I was just trying to, um, block that out. And, you know, I wasn't really doing so well in general. Like I was barely keeping it together um, emotionally. And and I just, you know, I wasn't in a good place. So I decided to get some help. And, um, you know, I've I've had always heard of, you know, therapy, right? But I never, um, never really looked into it because I had dealt with depression before, but not, not to a point where, you know, I wasn't able to manage it on my own. So I went to a therapist and one of the things that she recommended was um, a support group, right? She said, you know, something you should look into. And, you know, I was familiar with the concept um, because, you know, I've, I've heard about things like AA and stuff like that, right? But I thought like those support groups were mainly for like, you know, like substance problems and stuff like that. I didn't really think that, you know, that, that kind of thing exist, uh, existed for, for these kinds of issues. So while looking for one, I had a hard time finding a, a support group that that um, that fit my schedule. So I kept looking and looking, and eventually I found this company that uh, they did training sessions to host, like facilitate support groups in like a medical setting. So it was for like hospitals, hospice, and 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 those kinds of environments. So I ended up taking that course, even though you know um, it wasn't really meant for like you know regular people. But you know I'm, I'm a very hands-on person, right? I wanted to like learn more about what I was going through. So I, I took that course and then it was very, uh, it was an eye-opening experience because I learned that a lot of people that, you know, were working with others dealing with this kind of thing, they, they were not well prepared to handle it, right? And it made me realize that even like, you know, in the, in the professional world, like there's, there's still a lot to be learned about this, right? And that there's a need to uh, further the work that, that goes into this. 
So I did some other, you know, I read some more books, I did some more training, and then eventually I decided to give it a try and, and start my own support group. And that's kind of how GriefX got started. Um, and, you know, it's been an interesting journey because I've learned a lot also from, you know, just uh, our, our, our participants, like, you know, people share their stories, what works for them, what doesn't. And, you know, I'm always learning more from from others. And the thing I like to promote is that, like, I'm not a grief expert at other people's uh, grief, right? We can only be grief experts at our own grief. So what I try to help people is become a grief expert at their own grief, right? Um because at the end of the day, only you know what works for you, what doesn't, what's effective, what's not. And you kind of have to learn also to, you know, ad adapt to the situation that you're in, right? Because our needs change as time goes on. So I, I really, um, you know, promote that philosophy to, to the people that, that attend our, our groups. And then I also really encourage people to talk about it, right? Because while there are things that, you know, might not help everyone, I've yet to encounter someone that has told me that talking about it, you know, hasn't helped them. So I'm very confident in saying that if like, you know, if you can't, if you're really stuck and you don't know what to do, just, just talk to someone about it, right? It doesn't have to be a professional, just anyone willing to listen, um, that, that helps. It's not going to make the grief go away necessarily, but it will, you know, it'll help you get one step closer to, um, you know, to coping with it better. So is your work mainly concerned with people who are grieving post the death of a loved one? Or do you also deal with people who are um, like spending time with a dying person or helping someone to transition from life to death? Yeah, so it's primarily um, the, the aftermath. Um, and in some cases, too, even though I would say like probably like 60 percent of our participants are, are dealing with losses related to death. But then we have another, you know, 40 or so that are also dealing with other losses. So, man, you know, it might not be death, it could be breakups, divorces, so things of that nature as well. Because even though those losses are not associated with, with death, in, in a way, it is a death of something else, right? When you're going through a breakup or a divorce, it's a, it's a death of a relationship, right? And in, in many other cases, too, if it's if you really think about it, it's, an, it's a death of an identity, right? Because prior prior to this relationship ending you identified yourself as part of this relationship right so you held a, a different role and now this has been taken away from you and now you have to kind of you know start fresh in, in your new identity right so I, I think in those cases um it's not just the death of a relationship when, when it comes to you know divorce or breakup but it's also a death of, of your prior identity right yeah i love that because I think a lot of people, when they look at the aftermath of death, they want to look at things in a way where uh, they get things back to what they were when things were normal. And right. I, I think a better way to look at it is um, to feel yourself within the new person that emerges from the experience of having someone die that's close to you. Right. So um, do you do at all any kind of work with people who are in the process of dying or people who are uh, dealing with someone who is in the process of dying? No, that, that's not really um, what, we, what we deal with at the moment. So what do you feel is like some of the most common themes that you notice that people come to you with? Like some of the most common problems that they see manifesting in their lives without the person that they've just lost? 
Yeah, so a lot of times, you know, just people are not comfortable talking about it, right? And they feel kind of lost. And I think um, for a lot of people, they kind of had the same problem that I had initially was just opening up about it, right? Um, because, again, like, this is something that I feel like as a society, like, we're not really well equipped to deal with, especially in, in, in Western societies, right? Um, so, like, again, like, we're familiar with, you know, like getting help for like substance abuse and, and health issues. Right. But when it comes to uh, mental health, I, I think we're still lagging behind a bit. Right. And then also to some extent, like we've come a long way now in, in promoting, you know, positive um, mental health advice and, and things of that nature. But it's it's easier said than done. Right. Even with things like, you know, like, for example, like all these hotlines that exist. Right. The suicide hotline and whatever. These things don't necessarily um, provide ongoing support is kind of just like a, you know, it's just a stepping stone, right? There's also still a lot more work that goes into it. So I think a lot of people, they're just lost in, in how to deal with it in general, right? Um, and even like, you know, with like the advice the therapist gave me, you know, she was like, oh, like find a support group, right? But it it, it wasn't easy, right? Like I, I did find some, but a lot of them didn't, you know, meet my schedule. And then also, there's also these financial constraints that exist, right? Um, you know, a lot of, you know, mental health resources uh, do cost money, right? Um, and, you know, in my case, like, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was able to afford the, the therapist and, you know, to do all these other things, but not everyone is that fortunate, right? And also when you're dealing with some of these losses, you, you might also be dealing with, you know, financial hardships as, as a result of them, right? say if it's you know if you're um if your spouse just died you might you know have to deal with the financial costs associated with that right because not everyone has money set aside to handle these these affairs right um so there's these old there's these other logistical issues that that people don't consider right when they give you know blanket advice like oh you know I get help right okay but you know help generally costs money right and um you're dealing with all these things on top of that right and then in some cases there's other barriers right so to give you a real example like you know the, I, I don't really consult with with my my therapist too often but you know occasionally when i want in the past when i've had to make an appointment with her it's not easy right because she's often booked already right so i might have to wait so you know, it's not even that I can't afford her session, right? It's like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to to pay her her fee, but she's just not available, right? So all these things exist, and I was also fortunate that I got pretty lucky in that my first consultation was good, right? Some people, um, you know, they try therapy out and they they have a bad experience, right? Because they get someone that's not a good match, right? Um, and this can be, you know, very disheartening, especially let's say you're struggling financially, right? So, you know, you you put all this money aside to to pay for the session and it doesn't help you. You feel even worse now. Right. Because now, you know, you have this financial loss and then also the the help that you got is not really helpful. Right. And, you know, it's it's so it's you know, it's it's not easy um, getting help. And I think a lot of people, they're just clueless of, of how to go about it. Right. But again, I think, um, you know, talking about it is if. Is, is a good way to to get the process started, right? Because that kind of opens the door for you to start, you know, thinking, uh, you know, get, getting uh, into the mindset that this is something that, that can be resolved, right? And again, it's not an easy process, but 
I think talking about it is, is the first step uh, to getting there. You mentioned that in the Western world here, uh, we don't really associate death in the correct way. Uh, and we don't really have a society with a foundation that supports people who are going through this type of grieving process. So why do you think that is? Yeah, I, th I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that, um, you know, it, it's still a, a discomforting thought for a lot of people, right? Um, and we're also just conditioned to not deal with hardships, right? I think, like, th this whole, like, COVID situation was a big wake-up call to the realities of death and loss, right? Because even if you were fortunate enough not to lose anyone to COVID, you for sure lost something, right? Um, even if you didn't lose your job or, or your career or, or anything like that, like you did lose your freedom to some extent, right? No matter where in the world. So it was like a global thing where everyone felt some sort of loss, right? Because for sure COVID ha had prevented you at some point from doing something that you enjoyed, right? Um, so I think, you know, but, but again, people forget that, you know, um, you know, the, there are other people less fortunate than us that that deal with with these kinds of struggles all the time. I mean, there's there's people that um, you know where they live at, like they don't have enough, um, like their supply chain isn't as good as ours, right? So, for example, countries like Venezuela, there, you know, they struggle with with supply chain issues. So, even though people have money to uh, to buy stuff from the supermarket, there's just no, there's not enough um, supplies there, right? Um, and then, you know, other, pe other people in countries where they're hit by, you know, um, tropical storms and things of that nature, or, or even right now what's going on with the Ukrainian and uh, Russia situation, right? Um, with the war, right? There's people experiencing death all the time, the, all kinds of other losses associated with that. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's just the way the world works. But I mean, we're, I, I think particularly in like the United States, uh, we're, uh, we're very fortunate that, you know, we don't deal with a lot of these issues, right? Um, even even right now, like, let's say hypothetically, we were to get more hands-on involved in, in the war, right? It's it's highly unlikely that we would see, you know, combat on our on our soil, right? I mean, of course, maybe... You know, people that are in the military would would for sure see um, combat, but that's abroad. Like, it's very rare that that we see you know warfare on our actual soil, right? Historically speaking, that hasn't happened for a very long time. So again, we would be even even then we would be shielded from that fact, right? But but people in other countries, they're they're not so uh, fortunate about this, right? They actually see you know buildings getting torn down, and they see all kinds of bloodshed firsthand, which we're shielded from here in the West. And it, you know, I even and actually, um, was actually doing some research, you know, just to refresh myself before we came on this uh, this call. And I typed in just, you know, just for the hell of it, I typed in like the human life cycle on Google Images, right? <laughs> and it was kind of interesting. So I saw a lot of pictures that didn't show death, right? I guess it was meant for children, but a lot of them omitted death. So it was like it showed the fetus. And then, you know, uh, being a child, being a teenager, and then just elderly person, and it ended right there, right? But, you know, it's like, no, there's, there's another step that, that you're missing, right? Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting how, like, we just kind of try to put it, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but um, it doesn't work that way, right? It's, it's something that, that's part of life. And 
I think some other cultures do a better job at uh, integrating that, you know, and even just that conversation, um, like I'm fortunate enough that my parents, they're both still alive, uh, but they have talked to myself and, and I have a sibling um, about, you know, how to handle their death, right? Like as far as like some logistical stuff. So we've had that conversation. And also I've talked to my parents about, you know, what if I die? And my sister has also talked, you know, talked to us about what happens if she dies. Um, so, you know, we, we do have some sort of plan and, you know, of course it's going to hurt when it happens. Um, but at least like we've had this conversation, right. But a lot of people don't have this conversation in, in their households. Right. Um, and even right now with, uh, with the person I'm dating, like, you know, we've just, dis- we've discussed this, uh, as well, like, you know, cause, uh, we don't have a family yet, but that is, on, that is down, that is a, a goal of ours. And, you know, when we get to that stage, you know, we will definitely be having conversations about this, right? Um, because it's it's something that you have to be prepared for, right? Because it is going to happen at some point. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the pictures that you saw on Google, um, because it really does seem like we just ignore death. Uh, we just are so scared to think of it because it means uh, the loss of either someone that we care about in the physical form or the loss of our own ego and who we think that we are in terms of our own death. And it seems to me like it's a spiritual problem, which is why, like you said, I think a lot of other countries, a lot of other cultures handle it in a more adult and responsible way because they seem to revolve their spiritual beliefs around um, the process of dying and then what happens after death. So has this experience uh, working with people who are grieving um, and the experience of having people close to you die, does that change your beliefs spiritually and does it change what you feel like happens after you die? Yeah, it has. I think now I'm a bit more um, open-minded about, you know, the, the possibilities of, of, of how the, of how the afterlife looks like if there is one. Right. Um, I think I've, I've always believed in an afterlife, but I think before I had a, like a more, um, I had settled more on a particular idea. Right. Um, but now I, I think I keep more of an open mind. Um, but, but again, like I, I still haven't decided on a, like a particular, you know, outcome that, that I feel much confidence in, but I, I but I, overall though, I think what has changed the most is just that I'm not as obsessed about, you know, what that, what that looks like. Right. I think I've just come to realize that, you know, while I may have some theories that seem very plausible to me, like at the end of the day, <laughs> I won't know until it happens. Right. So whether, you know, whether there is no afterlife and we just die and it all, it all ends there or whether, you know, there is some sort of other realm that we answer or maybe we, you know, uh, we reincarnate. I, I don't know. Right. And I think it's OK that that I don't know. Right. I think before I, I was more obsessed with like, you know, I have to know the answer. And I think now I'm getting to a point where I'm not as concerned about what what the answer is um you know i just accept that um i i truly won't know until it's my time right um and that's not to say that you know i i'm still not curious about it i am curious about it i'm still again I'm, i keep an open mind right so you know if if um if i come across material that that suggests otherwise what i believe in or supports what i'm currently trying to lean towards I, I will uh, indulge in those thoughts, right? But 
I'm not as obsessed as I was before and like, you know, having to know what happens. Because I think at the end of the day, like, you know, we have to focus over things that we do have control over, right? And I don't have control over what happens in the afterlife, right? But to some extent, right? Um, I just have control over my own life, right? Um, and I just try to focus on that uh, these days, on, on what I can do while I'm still alive, right? Um, that doesn't mean that I don't, um, you know, respect possibilities that that may incur right um but i i feel like it's not healthy to, to dwell on that too much because then you become obsessed with something that you truly have very little control over right and instead it's better to focus on that energy on things that we do have control over and i think also i've learned to be more respectful towards other people's uh, beliefs about those things because i think it's very easy to become biased right and I think that's that's also something that's very un, unfortunate in, in today's society is that you know people, um, especially now, like you know, it's it seems that everyone's on an, on an extreme level, right? Um, and I think we should try to you know be be more open minded because yes, maybe in some cases some people are wrong, right? Um, but again, like we cannot, we should still. Um, give other people a chance to, you know, to, to have a discussion about it. Right. And, you know, everyone is entitled to, to their opinion. And I think right now, you know, everyone's kind of like on the edge and that causes a, a lot of uh, conflict. Right. Cause it, it, it creates a, a divide. Right. And it comes when it comes to especially issues like the afterlife. Right. It's uh, it's very tricky because no matter what you believe in, like, you know, truly the, the proof lies in, in getting there. Right. Like, that's the only way we'll know for sure. Yeah, it seems to me that whether or not it's right or whether or not someone else is right or wrong about it doesn't really matter. Um, I think just a deeper understanding of death will benefit us in any way, shape, or form, um, even if our ideas about it might not match other people's or might not match other ideologies. Um, but do you find that in your work uh, relating death to spirituality helps people or do you find that uh it's not really an integral part right so um i try to keep a secular view in general in, in how i i run my organization however what i do is i do like themed um discussion topics during certain sessions right and one of those um topics is spirituality right and in these sessions um, we kind of touch upon more like spirituality. However, in, in the general meetings, I don't really push any belief systems. However, I always encourage people, you know, even in the the meetings that don't revolve around spirituality, to bring it up if if it's relevant to the discussion and if they find that it helps. Right. So if someone wants to share that, you know, praying helps them or or, or things of that nature, then you know they're allowed to talk about it. But I don't, um, you know, revolve, uh, you know, the, the topic around spirituality or I don't push any ideas uh, revolving around that in, in the general meanings. Because I think that, um, you know, it's it's tricky to, to do that effectively, right? Because then, again, because there's this big divide, like you said, that, you know, people have their own notions. And when we start to um, push certain ideas, it may it may make other people feel alienated from it, right? And grief is already a complex thing to deal with. <laughs> we don't need to complicate it even more. And I think it's better just to focus on the common ground than on the differences, right? Because again, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I can't 
you know, I can't say that what I believe in is, is correct, right? Because I very difficult to prove that. So to to spend time, you know, making someone else feel bad that they believe differently is, is not beneficial. So instead, you know, when we do talk about spirituality, I just, you know, I I do share my some of my beliefs, and I let other people share their beliefs. But we, we kind of try to avoid um, trying to push the idea that anyone in particular is is right or wrong, right? It's more or less like, okay, we give them a platform to express, you know, what what is working for them. And in some cases, you know, if they can also talk about how spirituality might also be um, an obstacle for them, right? And just creating a safe space to to talk about this relationship between, you know, the loss and, and spirituality. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I could definitely see uh, the spiritual aspect of understanding death being an issue for people. Um, because if you don't have a grasp on what it is you think happens when you die or uh, while someone is dying and you don't have um, like an understanding of how that's going to affect you and how you can take steps to uh, alleviate that grief, I, I definitely feel like it could be an issue. Um, but do you, uh, do you have any help with this or is, do you do this all on your own? Yeah, so at one point I did have a another member that was helping me run meetings. However, um, you know their their life circumstances changed a bit and they got busy. So right now I'm I'm running the meetings on my own. However, we we do certain meetings that um, you know people that have attended the the group a few times they kind of you know um, have a gist of how it works. So we have what we call like self moderated meetings. And these meetings are just run without a formal moderator. So people that have attended the group of, of, a couple of times, they can attend these meetings and, you know, they kind of uh, run themselves. Right. Um, and it's those are those meetings are self-sustainable. And then we have the other meetings that are led um, by, by by myself. Yeah. And are these in person? Are they online or both? Um, right now, they're all online. So. The way the group got started, actually, uh, we're based out of New York City, so we were doing meetings in person. But then when the pandemic started, um, I transitioned to online. And it's it's been a, an interesting transition because when I went online, initially, I was just, again, only uh, promoting it locally, right? But now I, I promoted, you know, to uh, to other people as well. And, you know, we have participants from from all, all over the country and sometimes even from abroad like we've had people from europe or in canada joining us as well so it's and it's always interesting to see how you know people from other countries uh, deal with it and, and what unique challenges they have so yeah as, uh, so as of right now it's it's online based and um we do plan on resuming the in-person uh, meetings but th uh, that won't shift away the focus from the online because i think uh, opening up the platform to everyone is very helpful. So we'll continue to, um, you know, offer support online. But at some point, um, we will revisit doing in-person meetings when it when, when it's uh, when it makes lo logistical sense to do so. But it'll be a supplemental thing; like it won't replace the the online meetings. Yeah, it's amazing to be able to open it up to the world um, and to experience, like you said, uh, the differences between how other cultures from different places handle grief uh, from, from death. Uh, are there any noticeable differences that you can think of uh, between different cultures and how they uh, have approached death uh, within your meetings? Yeah, so I would say I would primarily um, 
I primarily have experience with like our Canadian participants because um, that's that's where most of our foreign um, participation comes from. And over there, they seem to have resources that that we don't have available, right? Um, so, actually, what what happens is that like in a lot of um, there's a, there's a lot of like statewide programs that are like specific to certain states. So, for example, in New York City, um, they're fortunate enough that they they do have um, you know helplines to help with like mental health issues, right? But in some other cities, they, they don't have that kind of thing. Whereas Canada, though, they have like it's just like a you know federal program where it's a it's a call line that any Canadian can call, and um, they actually have like this you know the system where you can set up and everyone is entitled to uh, an appointment with with, with a counselor, um, and there there is a restriction like I don't remember off the top of my head, but I believe you can only make one appointment for uh, every so often, right? But at least I mean it's something and it's totally free, right? Um, and it's it's pretty helpful also right um which is which is another important thing because you know sometimes um you know people have good intentions when they make resources right but it's they're not always helpful right because a lot of again a lot of these resources like they were not made with um with certain things in mind it's just a general help and i think people dealing with with grief um sometimes need like particular attention right and uh, a lot of like the general resources that exist out there may not be a good fit uh, but from what the canadian participants have mentioned like you know the stuff they have available over there is is pretty helpful um so yeah and then also you know there's other groups too um, um a lot of people you know they ask like how do i find like if they want to find an in-person group how do i find one um you can contact like your local funeral homes right they they often have some resources um also hospitals um, also can help be helpful and then if you lost someone that was in hospice care you can also contact that hospice and they can maybe give you a referral so but it, but also it's you know it's it's a lot of legwork right to to get um this this type of help it's not easily accessible like you have to dig in um, and then again, you know, not every resource is free, like even with support groups, like although the help we offer is free, um, but there's also like paid support groups that, you know, um, you have to commit to a certain series and you, ha and you have to pay the fee for that. Right. And that could, again, and that, and that also can restrict certain people, right. Because they may not have the funds for it, or even if they can afford it, um, they can be put off by the fact that you know, they have to commit to this series, right? Um, because a lot of them are not dropping. Um, so, you know, you pay X amount of dollars, but you have to commit to like whatever, like four or five sessions. And, you know, people are concerned that, you know, it might not be helpful. Um, so that might put them off from from seeking this help. So, you know, the, these obstacles exist. And again, what I mentioned before also about, you know, the whole therapist uh, hunt, <laughs> you know, that you might find, you might have a hard time finding a, a therapist in general. And then when you do find one, um, they might not be a good fit, right? Or if they are a good fit, you might have run into the problem that, you know, depending on your situation, you might need ongoing support and their uh, schedule might not, you know, might not um, make that, you know, feasible. So you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that uh, that occur that that you know when people recommend you know get help, <laughs> they don't really address, right? Yeah, and I've noticed that. I mean, when I was in school, when I was young, 
you know, I feel like everybody who is who spends time in a public school is going to have somebody from their class or from their school, someone who they directly uh, coexist with, pass away. Um, and when I was in school, there were some pretty decent programs, you know, that they would have during the school day if you needed to leave your class and go talk to someone, they would have that available for you. And it seems that that's increasing now with our culture. Uh, in schools, they seem to be adhering to um, uh, more protocols to help people to grieve um, when they have uh, deaths in the family or deaths uh, within their classmates, deaths with, within their peer group. So do you see people who... Uh, are younger, like children, young adults who are dealing with that kind of thing? Or do you only deal with uh, like adult? Yeah, primarily, we primarily deal with adults. Um, so mo most of our participants are, you know, like early 20s to, you know, uh, upwards. Um, yeah, so we don't really deal with, with children. However, some people that do attend our meetings, they, they do have children and they kind of share, you know, what, what their children are going through, but directly, um, I, I don't work with children also because of the, the nature of, of what we're doing. Right. Um, so, um, especially online, like, you know, a child getting them involved would be difficult because of, of, of legal concerns. So it's, it's mainly geared towards, towards adults. Uh, but yeah, as, but as you mentioned though, that yes, uh, we, I think, there is some improvement as far as, um, you know, raising awareness. And in some cases, some school districts are, are doing a good job, right? And even in the corporate world, too, actually, some companies do actually have a, uh, like, bereavement leave, right? So that which is nice, right? Um, but from my understanding, that's, that's not common. <laughs> so, um, you know, we still have a long way to go when, when it comes to that. And then, and then, and, you know, I applaud the companies that, that have that kind of policy because it's, it's much needed. I feel like. Yeah. Usually a lot of those policies don't go far enough in my opinion, uh, because grief is so personal and the stages of grief are real and it takes a lot of time to go through that for some people and each person may get caught on different stages and spend more time there. Um, and it's just such a personalized form of treatment that I feel like you definitely need to, like you said, give people this, uh, this personal involvement and personal help, really hear their story. Um, was there anybody in your life who really heard your story and gave you that personal help that you needed when uh, you were dealing with death? Yeah, I would I wouldn't say like any particular person, but I would say um for sure just getting more comfortable talking about it helped a lot. And I I remember like vividly like when I talked to the therapist about it, like you know, I had a really hard time doing that. Like I was, you know, tearing up and breaking down. And then after that, like I think it just gave me the courage to start talking about it. And then from there, like I just started talking to other people like you about it. And then eventually I just got really comfortable in, in just talking to anyone about it, right? But it's it, it was a process. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate a lot, you know, that the therapist that I had um, that, you know, that, that made me feel safe and, and sharing my story and just made me feel that it was normal, right? Um, and, but also, you know, you, you have to do the work yourself, right? Um, 
And, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's easier said than done because it's very painful to talk about your loss, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with it. Right. Um, and, and I remember like the first uh, support group meeting that I, that I held, like I was, I was scared that, you know, I would start breaking down, you know, while, while, while introducing myself. Right. Cause at that point, like I had made progress, but you know, I was still, um, you know, I was still struggling a bit more than I am now. And, but yeah, you know, it was, it was good though, to be surrounded with, with other people that, um, that can relate to you. Right. And I think that sense of community is, is very helpful. Um, and one advantage that you often get from like these peer led groups though, is that, um, you know, you can, you can hear other people's stories and you can relate to them. Whereas, you know, most therapists, um, even even if they have lost someone, like they'll kind of refrain from sharing their personal stuff, right? For for numerous reasons, and you know, I understand the the reasoning behind that, but also, you know, I I think that limits the the experience a bit. I think sometimes it's it's necessary to hear out, you know, to hear out the other person's story, and that's one of the advantages of attending, you know, groups like like what we do is that you can hear other people's stories, you know. And you can relate to them, even if their loss is different, right? And sometimes, you know, we get like a mixed bag. Like, you know, people have all kinds of losses. Like there's people, maybe someone lost their child. Another one lost their spouse. Another one is going through a divorce, right? And, you know, all these losses, you know, they're they're different, but they're still all losses, right? And, you know, we bond over the fact that, you know, we're all going through, um, through these losses and, and, you know, we, we, through grief, like as, you know, even as painful as it is, like, you know, it brings us together and it makes us, you know, appreciate, you know, life and, you know, just be more compassionate towards each other, right. That we're all dealing with that. And I think another um, issue that, that people struggle with is just comparing their grief. Right. Um, because as you mentioned, you know, grief is an individual experience, right? And a lot of times we try to project, you know, other people's experiences on us or vice versa. Other people project their experiences on us, right? So sometimes, um, you know, someone that went through a similar loss will reach out to us and they may say some hurtful things, right? And it's not with bad intentions. It's just that they dealt with it differently, right? Um, so like a, a common situation is we get a lot of people that lost a spouse, right? So a lot of, you know, people will get, you know, suggestions about, you know, starting to date again, right? And that can be very hurtful for a lot of people because they're not ready for that, right? And in some cases, just people have zero interest in that, right? Which is fine, right? Um, because, you know, they have to see what's what's right for them. And, and other people, you know, they may have good intentions and they suggest these things. Or some people are very aggressive, right? Like some people have mentioned that, you know, someone will actually try to set them up on a date with someone, right? You know, to and again, it's not that the people want them want them to feel bad. It's just that they think that's gonna help, right? But they don't really understand that that person is is not at that is not at that stage yet, right? So maybe in the future they might be open to dating, or maybe not. You know, some people after losing a spouse, they um, they just want to stay single, and and that's okay, right? Because again, it's a individual choice and a individual journey. Yeah, not everyone is the same. Um, how old were you when, uh, your cousin died that was very close to you? Yeah. So, uh, I was about 
five years ago, so I was 27, I want to say. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you did have sort of an adult mindset, a foundational understanding of the world around you. Um, Because, yeah, it seems to me that when people die in your life, uh, when you're a lot younger, I think it's really hard and very detrimental to your development and your growth. But one of the most important things, in my view, um, in terms of how death affects you is uh, whether or not it's a shock, the age at which the person passes away. Because if, if like your grandparent passes away and uh, it was a peaceful transition and they were in their 90s and, you know, they were slowly declining over time, I feel like it's an easier thing to accept because you can start to understand the life cycle and you can see, okay, this is what happens to everyone. And um, it gives you some time to work through uh, the grief that it may cause. But when someone dies suddenly, whether it be a car accident or like in your cousin's case, that has to be so much more traumatic. And I'm sure that the people who come to you, I would think that more of them who are having really, really tough times uh, are ones who have been dealing with death that was more sudden or someone younger dying. Uh, Do you feel like that's true? Yeah, I would say, uh, generally speaking, the, the those people would have a harder time. Um, but you know, but sometimes too, even people that that lose a parent, right? That's that's at a you know, um, uh, you know that that's at that stage of life where um, it's it's more expected. They're they're still you know struggling really hard, right? Because it's it's a big loss for them, right? Um, and I think you know, again, like a loss is a loss, right? And it, 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 it's like people's relationships to that particular person is, is so unique that it, it, it's really, um, it's really hard to like imagine what, what that particular person is, is going through, right? Like we can always sympathize with them, but so it's, it's a very, I feel like when you, when you go through any type of loss, no matter the circumstances, like, you know, there's a big puzzle that's there and like that piece has been removed permanently. Right. And no matter what, you know, now it's an incomplete puzzle, right? Um, and and nothing can replace that. Um, and yes, you know, in in some cases, you know, people um, say in in the loss of a spouse or or you know a relationship where it's a divorce or breakup, you know, you may date again and remarry and, and whatnot, right? But again, that that that's a, that's a new puzzle being created, right? It's not the same one. You know, people mistakenly think that 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 new person you know um is that missing piece that was lost before and it doesn't work that way because these these people then create a, a new experience with the other person right um so it's it's a new um it's a unique experience it's not a replacement of the old one um and in the case of like a parent um or a sibling that's that's a very unique experience, uh connection right because you only have one parent or or one sibling like that particular parent that particular sibling so, yeah, I would say what what happens is though that maybe there's a unique challenge or not unique challenges, but um, special challenges that you encounter when you're losing someone that's younger or or unexpected stuff. For example, like a, a parent burying a child, for example, that one kind of throws people in for a loop, right? Because that's not something you expect. You expect your children to bury you, and not not the opposite. Um, so when that happens, you know, there's these unique challenges that or, or particular challenges that, that come with it. Um, 
but um yeah i mean everyone's everyone's hurting no matter what they're they're going through yeah yeah when someone has to bury their child that is so terrible because it seems to me that's like throwing off the natural balance of things you know so you have to contend with so much heartbreak and so much grief because it just doesn't seem like that should be the way things go linear like linearly uh you know in life um but as we begin to uh sort of wrap up here a little bit um i wanted to ask you with your uh with your work and with everything you've been through and everything you've experienced and taken in um where do you think we as a society could improve the most in terms of uh, grief involving death? And what do you see the future uh, being like in terms of the help that people have access to? Yeah, I, I think we need to be more open to having this discussion about, you know, death and loss, right? And I think it needs to start at an early age, right? Um, and I, I think it has to become less of a taboo subject, right? Like, at the end of the day, with certainty, I can tell you that, you know, everyone listening to this is going to die at some point, right? And while that may sound morbid, it's it's really not. It's just it's just a fact of life, right? Just how we're alive right now, at some point, we won't be, right? And that's okay, right? And unfortunately, in some cases, you know, some of us will die tragically, or maybe if we don't die tragically, someone that we love will, or, or you know, or whatever the reason of death may be. Um... And, you know, yeah, these things will be unfortunate and it will cause a lot of pain. But again, it's, you know, um, death and loss is, is part of the, the life cycle, right? Um, and these are things that we have to be more comfortable in, in discussing. And, you know, it just, I think just having an open mind about, you know, being able to talk about it helps. Because again, when we go through the motions of, of when it finally happens to us and we're put in this situation where we need to face it, um, just if, if everyone was on the same page, I think it would be a lot easier to deal with it, right? Because you could just talk to anyone about it, right? But right now, because it's such a, you know, taboo subject or or, or not even taboo, it's just a discomforting subject for many people, um, you know, it's a lot harder to, to process it because you feel more alienated, right? So I think if it was a common thing, it'd be easier. It's like when COVID was happening, you know, like, I think people were more open to talking about how like the pandemic was affecting them because everyone was going through it right it wasn't a private thing like everyone was dealing with covid so you know i i think it brought a lot of um openness to the conversation so just how that um you know just how that conversation started i feel like we should be more open to talking about that and as far as the future is concerned um yeah i mean i would like to think that uh, eventually when I type in the human life cycle in Google images that I do see death there, right? Um, and that, you know, <laughs> that it's not shielded, you know, that it's it's, it's out there. Um, but also that, you know, people don't see it as, as such a dreadful thing, right? Um, and of course, you know, it is it is sad when, when you lose someone, I won't deny that, right? And, um, you know, honestly, the, the people that come to our meetings, like whatever loss they had, like they will always remember that loss. But ideally, they won't constantly be suffering from it. Right. Um, the way of looking at it is like, you know, when you're going through grief in the early stage, it's like an open wound. Right. And eventually you get to a point where it's just a small scar. Right. So, you know, once a wound closes, it doesn't really hurt you, but it leaves a scar, which is a reminder. Right. 
So we'll we'll constantly have this reminder, but we'll ideally we just get to a point where you know we're a grief expert at our own loss, and we kind of learn how to cope with it, right? And in some cases, even you know learn something from it, right? And you know use it as a as an you know and just you know remember that it's 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 part of the life cycle and it's an experience, right? Like losses are are part of life, right? And it's something that um, that 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 can be managed, right? And it's not something to to be feared. Um, so hopefully we'll get to a point where um, you know we're we're closer to that. And I think you know um, you know if if we look back at history, um, there were some interesting trends that kind of went away. So actually, I went to this seminar some years back where this guy was talking about um, mourning jewelry, right? And there was this practice that, at, you know, at some point in history, um, you know, people used to wear, you know, jewelry to um, like, not, not just at the moment of the funeral, but afterwards to show that they were mourning, right? And for some reason, this practice eventually went away, right? So I think at that point in history, um, you know, people had a different relationship with, with loss and death, right? And maybe we'll see a, a comeback in these kinds of practices, right? Um, to remind people that, you know, it, it does happen and it's, yes, it is unfortunate, but, you know, um, that, you know, it's just something that, that we all have to deal with and that, you know, once we open up the discussion, I think we can all be more compassionate for each other. So when, when it is your turn to deal with it, you can just talk to anyone. Right. And whereas right now it's like, you really have to think about who you bring it up with. Right. Because it's, we're so shielded from it. Right. And some people too, like they, um, you know, they're scared, like you mentioned, like they're scared to talk about it, right? And they think that when you talk about death, like it's going to cause their own death, right? And it's not, it's not a disease or anything like that, right? It's just, you know, something that, that happens, right? Um, it's a necessity, right? It's like, you know, it's like going to the bathroom, right? Like it's one of those things that, that we have to do as humans, right? And, you know, no one likes talking about that, but it, it happens, right? So just how we all have to, you know, purge our waste out, um, you know, we also have to at some point, you know, transition into something else, right? Whether it's nothingness or um, another soul or whatever you believe in, you know, it's 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 part of part of life. This transition. Yeah, there's a quote from um, spiritual guru Ramdas, who I bring up a lot on this podcast, um, and he says, uh, "Death is perfectly safe. It's like taking off a tight shoe," which I I think is uh, is a beautiful quote. And as we grow and as we age, death is something that is inevitable. We're going to have to deal with it in one shape or form, whether it be our own death or other people's death, uh, which is why I think your work is so important. Um, so if people want to get into contact with you or if they want to attend a GriefX meeting, where can they find you? Sure, yeah, they could uh, They could find us online at uh, griefx.com. So that is the word grief and then the letter x uh, together.com. And then there's a link there for our online meeting, so they can click on there. Right now, at the moment, um, we're using Meetup to facilitate that. So if if you don't live in one of the cities that that's on there, just pick the the city closest to you, or or worst case, just choose the New York City one, and then you could join us online. So um, that's that's the best way to participate in the online meetings. If, if anyone listening um, is going through that, and then we also have some you know general information on our website too, some resources. Um, to, um, that might help you if, if there's something you're struggling with. Fantastic. Well, Angel, thank you for your, all your work. 
Thank you for what you do, for what you're sharing with the world, and thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me on, Josh. It was a pleasure speaking with you.